In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Yes, this is Sunset Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Well, not quite Sunset Boulevard, but close, close by. I can't tell you the exact street or neighborhood. It doesn't really narrow it down. It's a long street. It goes all the way to the ocean. It's about 5 o'clock in the morning. That's the homicide squad, complete with detectives and newspaper men. A murder has been reported from one of those great houses in the, again, I'm not going to tell you the block. You'll read all about it in the late editions. Well, uh, you'll somebody will tweet about it, I imagine. You get it all over your radio, if you listen to radio, see it on television, maybe DVR it or uh, watch it online later, because an old-time star is involved, one of the biggest. But before you hear it all distorted and blown out of proportion, before those bloggers and deadline get their hands on it, maybe you'd like to hear the facts, the whole truth. If so, you've come to the right party. You see, the body of a young man, well, not that young of a man, uh, youngish, young in spirit, a middle-aged man was found floating in the pool of her mansion with two shots in the back and one in his stomach. Tequila. That's a joke. No, nobody important, really. Just a improviser with a couple of podcasts to his credit. <laughs> Moderately successful podcasts with uh, some listenership on SoundCloud, some on Stitcher. Just an improviser. The, uh, the poor dope. He always wanted a pool. Well, in the end... He got himself a pool. Only the price turned out to be a little high. Let's go back about six months and find the day where it all started. Hi, Craig's listeners. <laughs> it's Craig, and uh, in here's Carla. Carla, and uh, we're going to talk about. Did I, did I shoot your character? Was that me? <laughs> well, we, you know, we're going to leave it uh, ambiguous, and maybe we'll find out. You know, we start. I'm dead, by the way. So, oh, okay. So, so you're the. Yeah, I'm yeah. hosting this podcast from beyond the grave. Got it. Uh, because I have the power to do that. Maybe we'll find out who killed me by the end <laughs> of the episode. But uh, this is episode 74 of Craigslist. We're going to talk about my number 27 movie, uh, 1950 flick directed and uh, co-written by Billy Wilder called Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and Carla is still here in Los Angeles. Till tonight. Till tonight. Uh, and you've got about a month left in Portland before you're back here full time. Right. So we thought we'd take advantage and get as many podcasts in this weekend while we could. And we saved the best for last. We saved the best <laughs> for last. Uh, just like Vanessa Williams. <laughs> is, is that her? Yeah. Saving the best for last. Good uh, our guest today. Uh, well, you know where from. Criminal Minds, another period, Friends, perhaps, yeah, and yeah. Sadie Doyle from the Thrilling Adventure Hour Beyond Belief segment, uh, our good friend and a wonderful, talented person, Paget Brewster. Oh, guys, this is a thrill. <laughs> <laughs> I love watching you work. <laughs> I love it. He's pretty good at these openings. 
Well, that I, was I, on the longer side for that sure. That was on the longer side. <laughs> wow. We've been uh, kind of half-assing the openings lately, and I just wanted to verbatim uh, cut and paste the opening <laughs> monologue and change like five words yeah. to update it. You it's totally pretty much recommitted to the opening. Pretty much what I did there. Uh, Paget, uh, you, uh, you, you have faces, but we also need words today because this is a, uh, this is a verbal medium. Okay. Uh, so, you know, your, your face is, is good enough, but, uh, we also will need you to talk. This is a Sunset Boulevard reference. Yes, I got um, it. I don't know if they got it, but we had faces then. <laughs> we had faces then. We didn't need words. Uh, we don't always match the movie to the guest you know we we have guests that we want to have and then sometimes it's whatever movie is coming up so but i had looked we knew we'd wanted you you know for a while uh and (laughs) i looked at the upcoming movies and i'm like i think sunset boulevard might be one that paget has an affinity for and then i texted or emailed you heard back within five minutes I have that movie in every format. Yeah, I, I love that movie. And I believe you watched it that night. <laughs> oh, I've watched it twice since we talked. <laughs> oh, my god! I love it. I, lo- <laughs> I learn something new from this movie every single time I see it. I think the two movies I've seen the most are The Fountainhead, The King of Udor. Wow, I've never seen The Fountainhead. <sighs> you, you have to. Is it Gregory Peck? Uh, no, it is uh, uh, Cooper. It's uh, uh, Gary Cooper, Gary Cooper oh, wow. and Patricia Neal. Okay. Um, it's oh. outstanding. King Vidora directed it. Mm. Um, and uh, Sunset Boulevard. I've mm-hmm. seen. I watch Sunset Boulevard, I want to say, six, seven times a year. Wow. wow. I, I just when I you, love it. When you say every format, do you have it on celluloid? I do not. <laughs> I do not. You know what? I don't. I don't. I don't have a projector. Okay. So you don't have one of those I don't uh, have a screening rooms canister. like, like no. Norma Desmond has. I do not. <laughs> I don't have a bed like Norma Desmond. I don't have a pool like Norma Desmond. I don't. I just this dressing room. I know you do. Have and the uh, narcissism and uh, the desire to get back in shape because I'm going into the studio. <laughs> That's what I share with Norma Desmond. <laughs> now, did you grow up with this movie, or did you watch it after uh, moving to Los Angeles? No. You know what? Honestly, I'm trying to think of the first time. I think when I lived in New York. In probably when were video stores ninety? <laughs> when, when were video, video stores? stores? <laughs> no, like yes. you know, eighties, nineties, late eighties, eighties and nineties. I sure. had a VCR. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm we, sorry to that. brag. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and I remember renting a Sunset Boulevard from you know it wasn't Blockbuster. It w- it was like you know Tony's Video, sure, on yeah. the Lower East Side, a mom and pop, yeah. And, uh, and, and, and that long ago. And were you like, oh, this is just 80s. one of those old Hollywood movies I'm supposed to have seen at this point? Or, or yeah. had somebody tipped off to you that it was particularly good? I or? don't recall anyone saying. Yeah. Hmm. I think I saw it for the first time when I was in college. Uh, and I, I would have watched it, uh, from Blockbuster as well on, mm-hmm. on VHS. Probably, so probably late 80s, early 90s. Uh, when I was just trying to get around to all of those classic films. But this is one that I, I liked from the beginning. It's been on my list the entire time that I've known it. Uh, and I probably watch it every couple of years as well. And it is something that gets richer every time I go back to it. I liked it more this time than I ever have. Really? You know? What do you think changed? Well, I, you know, I've 
living in Los Angeles, it certainly changes, yes. you know, mm-hmm. and there's so many movies that are set here that once, and it has such a, the specificity is really good mm-hmm. in it. Uh, you know, he uses all real street names and real actors. There's uh, Hollywood figures playing themselves in it. And I think uh, it, it's interesting for 1950 how cynical it is already because we kind of think of that as still like the the golden age yeah, very of, optimistic of Hollywood time. and optimistic. No, you're right. So to know that it was a uh, a cookie full of cyanide uh, to uh, to cop a line from <laughs> Sweet Smell of Success, uh, it's it, it's such a, a cynical but still accurate view of of Hollywood. And I think some of those archetypes of like. The, the fading star who's kind of losing her mind, mm-hmm. uh, the cynical screenwriter who can't get a job and is really sarcastic, um, the studio exec who are just out to make a buck, mm-hmm. you know, all, all of those archetypes still exist mm-hmm. today in a very real way. The innocent. Yeah. yeah. The, the hopeful. I think also, uh, the more I watch it, the more sympathetic to Norma I am, mm-hmm. too. And I'm, I'm curious as to where you guys fall in terms of being sympathetic to Joe or Norma or neither, <laughs> you know, because they, they're, are they both just awful people who deserve each other or is, is one, I mean, certainly Joe is the protagonist, but he's not a great guy. <laughs> I'm trying to remember when I first saw this movie. I feel like this movie was just always in my <laughs> periphery, maybe like I, did your mom watch it? Probably. I know that she she's yeah. a fan of old Hollywood movies. I probably saw it when I was a kid first and then definitely watched it maybe five or six years ago. Um, but I think that the scenes are so iconic too that sometimes it's like, did I really see that when I was a kid or had I just seen a clip of it like at the Oscars or whatever? Yes. Certainly, you know, all right, Mr. DeMille, I'm ready for my close up. I right. am big. It's the pictures that got small. Oh, I remember this, the sketch on the Carol Burnett show. That mm. I saw at my cousin's house, where mm. actually that I saw when I was a kid, probably, because that was mid seventies, right? Yeah. The Carol Burnett's show. I don't even, and it might have been, I don't know if it was first run or in syndication. I know I saw it at my cousin's house and she did the, uh, okay, oh yes, Mr. I'm ready for my close up. And it, I, that, I remember that being very scary. Like it was, a, it was a comedic <laughs> sketch, but I was like, Ugh, yeah, what is that? <laughs> so that seed was planted mm-hmm. long before I saw the movie. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't watch the movie in preparation for this, this is about a, uh, a down on his luck screenwriter, Joe Gillis, played by William Holden, who randomly <laughs> of all the houses he could have driven into, he gets a flat tire while trying to elude some repo men mm-hmm. who want to get his car that he can't afford and pulls randomly to a house off of Sunset Boulevard, a decrepit old mansion, which happens to be owned by a fading screen star named Norma Desmond, played by Gloria Swanson, who lives in this house with only her butler, Max, played by Eric Von Stroheim. And uh, Joe kind of falls in with her and helps her uh, rewrite her uh, terrible, uh, probably 500 page script, <laughs> uh, about Salome, which she's convinced is going to bring her back into the limelight and that Cecil B. DeMille, her old, uh, silent film director is going to, uh, to help her make this movie. So Joe eventually becomes a kept man, a gigolo, uh, while, <laughs> while also, uh, trying to write a screenplay of his own with, uh, with a younger love interest, uh, Betty Schaefer, played by Nancy Olson. Mm-hmm. Good uh, job. You got them all. <laughs> yeah, good work. I can never remember anything. Yeah. Uh, I love the scene when he pulls into her mansion because you get the sense that 
like it's just a row of mansions with people <laughs> who like don't really who are like all recluse you know yeah hidden away because yeah. it's so every that you don't see those mansions they're all hidden they're, like they're so all hidden back. behind hedgerows yeah. and secluded and completely away from this modern hollywood yes. that he's from yeah like with schwabs and stuff <laughs> When yeah. did Schwab's closed, do you know? I would guess in the 70s, yeah, maybe. I, so. I know they tried to bring it back. Oh, did they? Because I was wondering about that again. I, it, it was on Sunset and Vine, I, I believe. That, yeah. And now it's a big Walgreens. <laughs> <laughs> but for a while, it was Schwab's again, like in the time that we've lived here in yeah, LA, like mid 2000s. It. Mm-hmm. it was the Schwab's for like a year. Sunset and Vine? Why so, did I think this whole time it was at. I thought this whole time it was at Hollywood and La Cienega or, the, or the uh, Fairfax. Well, well, what's Maybe. the Lemleys? What's the um, – Oh, yeah. I believe you that it's Sunset and Vine. I don't know what – because in uh, Double Indemnity, the, yes. another uh, Billy Wilder film, they drive down uh, from the Hollywood Hills and go – That's right. I think they stop off in Schwab's and that would have been Sunset and Vine. Because that always confused me why yeah. they got all the way over <laughs> yeah, to, yeah. is it is it Fairfax? It's Fairfax. La, I think you're right, La Cienega. Where, that, where, where is that? Where that um, Gold's Gym is on the corner there on Sunset? Is that what you're talking about? Shoot. No, you know what? La Cienega is way further west. I'm thinking of... Like it around, is Fairfax. I'm like around Farmer's Fairfax. Market? No, b- before... Before the Chateau Marmont, <laughs> where the movie theater and the gym, yes, yeah. and the gas station, yes, and that the is Rite Aid, that is Sunset and Laugh Crescent Factory. Heights, Crescent Heights, Sunset, Sunset and that's Crescent Heights. Is. That's yeah, yeah. where I thought Schwab's was. Hmm. Yeah, I don't and know. I'm wrong. But Maybe there might have also been multiple. No, Schwab's. I know you're there right. Was one Schwab. I know it was Sunset and Vine now, <laughs> and now that makes me so sad that that's what's there. But yeah. Schwab's is now they built the subway station across the street. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right there with the Walgreens. Schwab's is famously where Lana Turner was discovered, or at least that's how the story goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's where all the kind of screenwriters hung out and talked shop and probably worked on their screenplays. <laughs> now it would it's the equivalent of all the guys hanging around with their laptops. Right at a coffee shop yeah. or whatever. Then everyone brought their typewriters with them. <laughs> uh, uh, I feel like it is, this is the perfect time for them to reopen Schwab's. <laughs> like there's so much nostalgia sure. based stuff that's really successful and popular. Have some craft beers there. It would be, you know, though, it would just, they would make the wait staff dress up like yes. Yes. Norma Desmond <laughs> and Lana Turner. <laughs> William Holden, uh, I don't know. Yeah, Lana Turner. It would all be Lana Turner's <laughs> Normans swanning around singing happy birthday. Yeah. In mid-Atlantic accents. Yeah. <laughs> now, Only we should be doing that shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I, I consider you somewhat of an expert on the mid-Atlantic accent because yeah. you were doing it for years as Sadie. You uh, do it too. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, for Thrilling Adventure, I mean, that, that's, it was kind of a, a requisite to be able to speak yeah, in, in the mid-Atlantic. The interesting thing to me, though, is because Gloria, Gloria Swanson was one of the biggest silent film stars, she did have a, a slight – she did cross over into talkies slightly, but her career kind of faded quickly in the 30s. Um, but d- was she around when they were teaching the mid-Atlantic accent? Because uh, the way she speaks in this film is so mannered and specific. Yeah. And is that her natural speaking voice? Is it something she was putting on for the movie? You know? Well, she was, uh, she was actually the second largest film star 
second only to Mabel Norman mm-hmm. back in the day uh, in silent films. I, I believe, first of all, I because I, I just bought I just bought her autobiography, uh, not autobiography, sorry, a biography, mm. and she was married six times. Wow! And I believe her second husband or third s- said, "Get to Europe, go to Europe for six months." And learn how to dress and speak and be, you'll become, everyone in Hollywood will forget you were an extra to Gloria Swanson and then come back. So Gloria Swanson herself must have taken elocution lessons. Mm -hmm. She's from Indiana or Ohio or something. Right. So it's, it's curious because she did have a career in talkies, not as much as, as the silent era. Yeah. Did she do theater? Not that I've read she yet. Did, did she, she did do live theater after her Hollywood career ended. Oh, I, yeah. But she I don't think older. she did not start in the theater. She oh. started as an extra when she was in yeah. her teens. 15. And then she was starring silent films by the time she was 17. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a contract with famous Lasky players or something like that. She started yeah. out with SNA films. I, I, I'm uh, envious that you're going to read this bio because even just like, this morning doing a cursory glance of her Wikipedia page. She is a fascinating it's person. In addition to all her husbands, she also had a long-term affair with Joe Kennedy. Yes. Oh. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Okay. All right. Spoilers. <laughs> I know it's coming. I know it's Spoilers. coming. Spoilers. I know it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> and then he produced some of her films too. And the when they watch Norma's old movie in in this in Sunset Boulevard, it is an old. Oh yeah, you can totally see the Gloria Swanson film. Gloria Swanson film, something or I it's can't like remember Queen it something. Queens, Queen Queen Kelly Queen or something. Like I think that. you're right. Yeah, Queen Kelly, which was a lost movie or if like it was never finished and it was actually directed by Eric Von Stroheim who plays Max in the movie. So it, wow. he literally yeah. did direct that movie. That's great. Uh, and you can see that she was stunning as mm-hmm. a, as a young film star. You can see why she was one of the biggest stars of the, the silent era. Uh, but this definitely was a comeback for her, you know, much in the way that Norma is hoping to have a comeback, mm-hmm. uh, in the movie. She had not been in a movie in a long time, but though she had been working in TV, so it wasn't like she was a recluse. And I don't know what she did in TV. I'm looking forward to getting to that part. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I'm just, she is actually she, she, f- fascinating and I can't believe I never got this biography <laughs> before because what a crazy life. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm looking forward to what I'm going to learn. TV. What did she do? I spoke to a crew guy once. Um, years ago and asked like, what, what was your experience? And it was a talk show. It was a guy who worked a camera operator for talk shows. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's the craziest thing you ever saw? You know? And he said, Gloria Swanson was a guest on, on an, a talk show that I was taping and she was 70 or something. And he said, they walked her out. She walked out. They sat her down in a chair and she was completely shriveled in. And when they counted down, and three, two, he said she unfolded and sat up and lifted her head up and was like this sexy, snaky <laughs> lady. Like she just, she was all, all full of life and aware. And he said the moment they would go to commercials, she would just fold in like wow. a flower closing at night. And he <clears throat> said it was such a magical, strange <clears throat> thing to see that it, he, it stuck with him for <laughs> decades. He thought about wow, it. Wow. That's fascinating. I, I don't want to spoil the biography, but I do have a few other Swanson factoids. Tell if you, me, if you tell want them me. real quick. I don't even know how old she was when she died. 
I believe she died in the early 80s and she was born in 1899. So I, th- I think she lived into her 80s. Wow. Uh, one of the reasons for her long life is she was famous for her macrobiotic diets even in the 20s. She was eating macrobiotic oh, wow. and bringing her own meals everywhere. So she was a health nut way before yeah. it was fashionable in Hollywood. Uh, after she got out of the film business during World War II, she had a business on the East Coast that was in uh, science and inventions and patents. Uh, but it was really a front for bringing German scientists over from Europe and rescuing them. <gasps> wow. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, and then in the 70s, she was friends with John Lennon and Yoko Ono, and she testified uh, for uh, Lennon's uh, – they were going to deport him, <laughs> right? Uh, and Gloria Swanson came to his defense? <laughs> Gloria Swanson testified for John Lennon. <laughs> wow. <laughs> to keep him in the States. <laughs> to keep him in the States, yeah. That's amazing. What a life. <laughs> yeah. She was also on, I think, the Dick Cavett show with uh, Janis Joplin, which was the last interview that Janis Janis did before she died. <laughs> so, oh like, the, there's a uh, there's an episode of a talk show that I would oh. love to see. <laughs> yeah, I bet it's somewhere. Yeah, Museum of Television, Film, and Radio might have. Let's it. all go now. And Come on, watch someone's it. put it on YouTube by now. <laughs> uh, but did you love this movie right away when you saw it, or is it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right away. Um, it, what, what is it for you that, uh, makes it appealing? Boy, that's a good question. It's almost like I didn't know we were doing this podcast today. <laughs> what about it? I, I think the, the, the thing to me that is so compelling actually may answer the question you had before. I am rooting for both Norma and Joe. Betty, ah. Uh, <laughs> I could do without. Yeah. But I understand her point in the film. Sure. And we need that optimist. We need the hopeful. <laughs> and we need the the two worlds. The 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 Hollywood that he's living in, it's a hustle and it's modern. And then this old, this gothic mansion where she's hoping to, you know, create a comeback. But they're both right and they're both wrong. And so is Max. Everyone is um no one is one-dimensional with the possible exception of Betty. Mm-hmm. And even her fiancé, what's his name? The buddy. Artie. Shows, Artie. Oh, Artie, Artie. Yeah. yeah. Artie is – Artie and Betty are the living, live, moving, modern people around Joe that show us that world. And then then we have Max and Norma in the mansion that is the other – Joe's other life, which mm-hmm. is – he's hiding from – but everyone's right – and wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I, it, it's a, it's a tug of war watching that movie rooting for someone who then you're rooting against. Because, yeah. I mean, ultimately, who's the only really good, really good person is Max. Right. <laughs> because he's tortured and compelled and he can't not be there. Yeah. But he's also fo- fostered her delusion. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I, yeah, I, he's, he's enabling her. To me, it's a tug of war. It's a it's a psychological <laughs> thriller, and it's a horror film, and it's comedy, and it's it's deft. It's just so deftly woven. Mm. Those two worlds are are perfect, and and I, I I just think it's a I think it's a perfect movie. I there's not a moment in that movie where I think, oh, this should be cut out. Mm-hmm. Not one. And I can't say that about all my other favorite movies. There's always something where I'm like, ah. 
Especially for an old movie, it doesn't feel like there's a lot of flab to this at all. No. It feels very mm-hmm. tight. This is one of the rare movies that we've watched on this list, Carla, that you've watched all the way through. You were not on your phone at any point during yeah. it. We did not have to pause it. You actually were tired and needed to take a nap, but and I kept asking you, do you want me to turn it off? Do you want me to turn it off? And we watched it all the way yeah. through. Yeah, I – I think I'm so excited that I watched this now because I feel like I understand it in a way that I didn't when I was younger. And the the idea of Joe hiding, like you were just saying, like I've just now that I'm in my thirties, I have like late thirties. Well, I'm being serious. Like I have this, You have creditors that are trying to well, get no, you. Yeah. But I have like a well, repo man well, chasing you. But I have that sense of exhaustion, <laughs> you know, where it's like, oh, I need a break. And I moved to Portland this year because I just needed a fucking break <laughs> from wow. Los Angeles. And so watching it felt kind of cathartic to me. Uh because I totally, for the first time, I feel like when I saw this before, that both of them felt more like caricatures in a way. Yeah. And this time, I was like, I recognized the behavior in both of them, uh, in a way that I hadn't before, and I like related to both of them. Yeah, uh, that's cool. In a cool way, and I felt sorry for both of them, <laughs> and I thought they were both being ridiculous. Uh, and so exactly what, what Paget was just saying of that, that tug of war between, and that's, that's, I mean, that's always the, those are the best characters, right? Which are the ones that you can't say they're good or bad, that they live somewhere in the, in, in the middle. Uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed it. That's oh, so good. interesting that you, uh, the Portland thing, cause he's, mm-hmm. he's hustled and he's hustled mm-hmm. and he's just like, I'm just going to hide out up here. Yeah. With my Vicuna jacket, yeah, fuck it, yeah, I can't. And that, but he's come. Yeah, to fight being a gigolo, he's got to go back and hustle again right. in yeah. secrecy over there. Right, and I felt on the that, Paramount lot. I felt that every time I've come back. I mean, and I'm ultimately Craig's here, so obviously I'm going to come back. Um, but, but I have felt like every. The first couple times I came back to LA, I was just tired and like sick of it. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm like ready. Like I feel like I've had my rest <laughs> and I'm ready to come back and try again. You're ready to write that hopeful screenplay about teachers. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> that screenplay sounded terrible. It does. It does. But nobody's going to buy that movie, Betty's, by the way. Betty and, the, the screenplay uh, that, that no, Betty and Joe I, are writing yeah, together. No. Yeah. Uh, don't they switch? Wait, wait, hold on though. Don't they switch off sleeping in the apartment? Yes. They switch off. One sleeps by day, one sleeps by night. They share an apartment. They work opposite hours. Wasn't there a TV show made that was exactly oh, that? I hope so. I feel like there was a sitcom made that was that Betty Shapers. They <laughs> they share an apartment. Oh, there's it's something with Matthew Broderick and Annabella Shiora, right? Are you serious? I I, I, think, I think it was a I, movie. Was it a movie? Oh, yeah. it wasn't a TV show. Uh, but maybe it's been used multiple times where where somebody's like, Hey, that movie that they're pitching in sunset Boulevard, I'm going to make that. Yeah. I I, I got an idea and they don't know where they saw it. They think they came up with it. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But yeah, the, the, I, I love watching William Holden's performance in the, the early stages. I really was struck this time by how like cruel he is like right away to her, you know, because he, he's mistaken as an undertaker who's going to come and help bury her, her pet That's chimp. That's so one. I for, totally forgot that detail that uh-huh. she had a pet chimp who passed It's very away. like Lynchian. Like it's very yeah, disturbing. Yeah. It is. Yeah. And, uh, and even that like Max's line of like, uh, 
let me know if you need help with the coffin. Yes. <laughs> you know? And I, I remember the first time seeing that, I was like, oh, like he's making a joke about how old she is or whatever. <laughs> but so it's like, it's a nice like bit of misdirection yeah. when you go up there, but like, no, he meant literally, he literally you're going to be uh, carrying up a monkey coffin. Yeah. You know, uh, at it some does point. such a great job of uh, setting up her character too. Like yes. if that's the first piece of real information we have about her is that she had a pet chimp. We immediately know how eccentric she is. Yes. Right? <laughs> But when you see William Holden start to like calculate of like, wait a minute, this could turn into something for me, you know, yeah. like he's, he's mostly just trying to get out of the situation, but he realizes he can take advantage of that. Yeah. And so it's an interesting performance of seeing him weighing, uh, his cynicism and his need for money, uh, versus his idealism of like wanting to work and wanting to write a good screenplay. And eventually he just kind of gives over to this world of like, well, fuck it. This is who mm-hmm. I am. You know, I'm, I'm going to wear the Vicuña jacket yeah. <laughs> and be, be her kept man. Uh, I love how they show him, uh, they, they do such a great job of making him seem so desperate to us too though like we can understand why he would make you you understand why he makes that choice at least yeah. i did mm-hmm. and like that conversation with the agent on the golf course where the agent's like well now that you're desperate you'll actually start to do something with yourself <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. sweetheart maybe you need another agent yeah. <laughs> so good he's up scene. against it <laughs> and that early scene with sheldrake the producer is really good too, mm-hmm. uh, where he's pitching what sounds like a terrible baseball movie, and then yeah. Betty comes in, doesn't know that he's there, talks about how bad it is, yeah. and everything. And I love the scene where he tries to hit up the producer for money, and it just cuts on the guy doing oh. a monologue about all the expenses. Hey, it was such a great fade away. From it's that. so perfect. Yeah. What does he say? He says, "What does he say?" He's, he's walking like him out. He's a- like, "Hey, listen." Uh, I just got a little place. He's, he starts to talk yes. about how he doesn't have the money to lend Gillis 25 bucks. Yeah, he doesn't absolutely. have any money because he yes. just got a place up a, a, or a golf membership. I can't remember exactly got, what. He what bought did like he a say? house or something. Yeah, he like just a, got a little got place a mortgage in Pismo yeah. Beach or something. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't do it. Can't help him out. Oh, so funny. And he's been decimated by a reader. Yeah. <laughs> by a cute reader. <laughs> has just said, ah, it's not worth reading. <laughs> but it's Hollywood in a nutshell. And w- whenever you hear about like, particularly as like movie actors have started to like work in TV and everything, everybody's like, why would they take that job? But my, my line has always been like, well, you know, he's probably putting an addition onto his garage. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, trying to make ev- a living. Everybody's, everybody still needs to work. Everybody still needs money. It's just like whatever, no matter whatever level you, you're at, you think that you don't have enough and you yeah. need to keep hustling, you know. The script it's a also does hustle. a great job though of making it clear that he, like he's respected in the community. Like every time he goes somewhere, they're like, Oh, that's a great writer. You know, this guy. He has worked. He yeah. has made yeah. movies. He's got yeah. friends. He's in the circle. They... Which is so Hollywood, right? Like you'll yeah. go and be like, Oh, you're so great. Da-da-da. And then like you can't get a job. <laughs> uh, it just does such a nice job of showing both those things, I think. And do you understand his desperation? Yeah. And when he gets that little glint in his eye that Oh, you know, he's not the undertaker. Oh, you say you're a writer. <laughs> and he, oh, oh, you know, mm-hmm. he sees the hustle mm-hmm. that he can play. And how can he not? And because yeah. Max turns away the repo guys. Right. So now he's safe, mm-hmm. at, at, which he hasn't been in so long. Mm-hmm. You can see why he does it. You can see why he does it. Totally. Yeah, I agree. 
And then I get more impressed by Gloria Swanson's performance all the time watching this movie too. You know, uh, certainly watching it young, you just kind of conflate the character and the actor of like the character is larger than life. But just think about the, the work that must have gone into the performance to create that character, mm-hmm. you know, and who knows, you know, who knows, uh, if, if that really was just her, you know, mm-hmm. being her, but I, I don't think so. I, you know, I think, a little bit. I think it was. I think. I mean, yeah. just from what I've read, it was fifty-fifty. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. Although it's a far more nuanced performance at that age in Sunset Boulevard than she was in silent films, where you're not saying lines. Mm-hmm. So it was, and it was a lot of holding. You had to hold this <laughs> facial expression for a couple of seconds. Yeah. While the title card came up that said what you were thinking, what, you know, what you had just said. So that's a pretty, she, she can be very camp. And the first time I saw the movie, I just thought, oh, this is cartoonish and campy and oh, he's such a rogue. And, you know, it just really seemed, it, they really seemed like one note, Mm -hmm. clear archetypes. But then the more you watch it, the more you see the sort of souls of each of these people leaking out in these little mm-hmm. moments. And, and, and sorry, I interrupted you. Oh, but not at all. I mean, it certainly is. She's an icon of camp, definitely it, in the movie, but, uh, it's, it's as mannered a performance as you're going to see in a believable movie. I agree. But yeah. you, you also feel like there is a real person in there. And also because we know she's an actress, <laughs> like yes. that really helps, uh, with, you know, how animated she is. They also All made the her audition. Oh, wow. They made her – they t- told her – Cuker was the head of Paramount said, you have to audition for it. This is going to be your comeback. And she said uh, – Gloria Swanson said, I've made 20 pictures at Paramount. What do you need to see a, an audition for now? And that's what Billy Wilder used when mm. he had her – when he had – Gloria or uh, Norma Desmond say, I built Paramount. Yeah. It was from these conversations <clears throat> where amazing. she did finally agree mm. to audition and oh, got the part. Amazing. And they had talked about using Mary Pickford oh and my God. Uh, other silent was, film stars. One of them was they were thinking about Mae West and Marlon Brando. <laughs> Picture that fucking movie. <laughs> Mae West and that Marlon would, Brando. Yeah. That would not have been nearly as good. I, uh, and I didn't know until reading about it today that they actually had hired Montgomery Clift. Yeah. He was oh. he was hired and had a contract and was set to star in it. And he had just done The Heiress, mm-hmm. where he had a very similar role as a gigolo. Yeah. And and apparently was also having an affair with a much older woman at True. the time. Oh, wow. Uh and and people speculate of like that he was self conscious about that and yeah. then Pulled out of the movie. (laughs) And William Holden had done Golden Boy in 1939. He had also been in Our Town, the movie. Look at you go. Look at him go. In 1940. (laughs) But then he had served served in World War II and his career had not really taken off. So he was not really a big star. So this is before Sabrina. This is before Sabrina and Stalag 17. uh, So this is kind of a comeback for him This was his own comeback. Yeah. Oh, So Gloria Swanson, I believe, was 50 when she made this. Holden was 32. Uh, Carla thought William Holden looks much older. Than that. Oh my God, my husband couldn't believe it. Yeah, Steve was like, "What? Thirty two? There's no way, right? That guy's forty two. <laughs> There's no way he's thirty two. And she actually, they made her, they made Gloria Swanson, uh, do specific makeup tips because they felt she didn't look 
Old older. enough. It took her some time mm-hmm. because she wanted to look beautiful yeah. for her comeback in Sunset Boulevard. And they said, you can't. Norma Desmond can't look the same age as Listen, We understand Holden maybe doesn't look 32. <laughs> Maybe not. But they had to, they darkened her lips and changed the line and did underliner. Mm. Yeah, there's there's that that one scene where she's like trying to entertain him and she falls on the couch and she doesn't have as much makeup on in that scene as she does in the others and she does look 10 years younger in that scene. Mm -hmm. I love that scene. And I love the Charlie Chaplin. It's so great because you, I like, that's that's another thing. Like I never expected that character to do something like that. Yeah. To like make herself so silly in front of him <laughs> in a fun way, you know. Yeah. I thought that that was a great scene. And the sense of like she does have talent. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> oh, that's yeah. the other yeah. thing. I, th- yeah. I you know what? I don't know if I noticed that as as profoundly as I did yeah. the last couple days that I watched it. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That you you got to give it to her. <laughs> this broad can move. <laughs> and She's great. It's slapstick. It's embarrassing. It's vulnerable. And she's cool with it. And she's, yeah. She's doing it to impress him and show him that she has value and he doesn't know what she, what she can do it. You know, it's so desperate and, 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 and vulnerable and, and shocking. And, but you see, oh, she is talented and that's all she's trying to show him. Yeah. And, and she has a captive audience, Mm -hmm. but she's trying to woo him. Well, let's go chronologically through the movie a little bit with a segment that we like to call Carla's Quotes. She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's Quotes. What, we watched it on DVD, one of the many formats that uh, many, Paget many formats owns it that in. I own? <laughs> but it's one of those... Oh, no, I never had a laser. T- but you know what? I really oversold my... <laughs> you wanted I really wanted you to come over to my house. <laughs> I wanted you to have to hide your car in my four-car garage. <laughs> so you have it you VHS and DVD. Basically. I only have it on VHS, DVD, and digital, digital platforms. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you can stream it. Um... But it's one of those DVDs where the menu has like scenes from the movie, like little clips from the movie. And Carla immediately got impatient as we had the menu playing. And Carla was like, play. I don't want to see the whole movie before I see the movie. <laughs> oh, because they were showing yeah <laughs> scenes. And I was like, oh, no, I, no. this is going to ruin it for me. You're right. <laughs> uh, costumes by Edith Head. Yes. Yeah. And I guess that uh, Edith Head and Wilder and uh, and Swanson had talked about the wardrobe for Norma and they decided that it wouldn't be totally out of date. Like she would be somewhat up to date on the fashion. So they based it on Dior fashions from the mid 40s. So about five years out of, out of date. Oh. Mm-hmm. The new look, 1947. I love the thing she's wearing in the first scene we see her and it's like a pantsuit, but it has like a, what is that called? Like the waist cape? Thing? The, yeah, it's a peplum. Like a, a Toreador cape oh, peplum. It's it is. It's so great. <laughs> I'm was so glad you one. know the name of it. <laughs> and the score by Franz Waxman or Franz Voxman uh, and our friends at the Settling, Settling the Score podcast, Jonathan Dinerstein's podcast about movie scores, did an episode on the Franz Voxman oh, wow. score, which you guys should listen to because they're way more informed about music than we are. <laughs> gong, gong, gong. Just the opening... Yeah. The very opening. Yeah. Body in a pool. Bah, gah, gah. <laughs> like you know you're in for something. Yes. And it's that that is fifty percent score, fifty percent visual. Yes. It, it is it's perfect. I mean t- go ahead. Well, I was gonna say I love in that opening narration when he 
references Great Expectations, which is also something I didn't think about before. But oh, it's she's totally Miss Havisham. Miss Havisham. Yeah. Uh, and another great way to just kind of set the mood mm-hmm. with one little reference. Yeah, I mean, talk about an iconic opening of uh, Gillis narrating the movie from beyond the grave, face down in the swimming pool with – and Carla asked, I believe, how'd they do that shot? Or or what she said was, how'd they do that without any bubbles coming out of his Uh. mouth? (laughs) Did you think that? How did they do it? Well, you just got to sit still for, for a while. Do you know? I guess I've had to play dead multiple times. but Well, they actually had to – I know that they did have a hard time shooting it. So what they did was they put a mirror. He's oh. floating in the pool face down. They put a mirror below him and had to wait for the, cause the water, you see the water still is moving a little bit. They had to wait for him to stop bubbles and then shoot through the mirror. Apparently there was oh. no way to get uh, under, I don't know. I yeah. mean, they must have had underwater shooting apparatus at the time but but Wilder, Wilder wasn't satisfied with the shot like from it. under yeah oh, cool. yeah but it's such such a cool shot but playing dead underwater would be too I don't know how they do it I don't know how they do it if someone's dead in a bathtub without a <laughs> without the water moving from breathing that that oh, to me yeah. looks like the hardest thing yeah but even if you're holding I'm I'll let this go in a second but even if you're <laughs> holding your breath for a while don't you still occasionally have bubbles that come out no, or that's no. just you. Just me. <laughs> you guys, I've tried this so many times. You have a special skill. <laughs> Real actors can hold their breath. Hold their bubbles. <laughs> right, Go up to, to Portland and work on your bubbles. <laughs> work on your bubbles. Come Don't back come to back. this town when you're good and ready. <laughs> when you're ready to play dead. Uh, 11 Academy Award nominations, by the way, for this movie. It won three. It did not win picture or director because this was also the year of another great movie about uh, not Hollywood, but all the stage, Eve? all about Eve. Yeah. Oh, same year. Holy jamoli. Yeah. That's that's a, a good year. Fasten your seatbelts. Gonna be so a Betty night. Davis sure. won. Oh, actually, Betty neither Betty Davis nor uh, Gloria Swanson won. They what? both lost to Judy Holiday for Born Yesterday. That's wrong. I don't even think I've seen that movie. I saw the remake with Melanie Griffith. Yeah, Judy Holiday's pretty great though. Is I mean, she? she's. I didn't see that. Uh, but nominations for William Holden, Gloria Swanson, Eric Von Stroheim, and Nancy Olson, none of whom won. But it did win for writing, which uh, Billy Wilder co-wrote with his uh, uh, collaborator Charles Brackett. This was the last movie that they did together. Uh, and art direction. And then the cinematographer did not win, but it's John Seitz who had also done Double Indemnity mm-hmm. for Wilder. And then it won, Franz Voxman won for the uh, score. Was this after Double Indemnity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Double Indemnity was 44. Oh, yeah. And then was this before The Apartment? Yes, The Apartment's in 1960. Wow. I yeah. really don't don't know these things. This to me is this sweet spot for Billy Wilder, which is like – it's got like the biting wit, but it's also got some seriousness to it too. And I like – I think Double Indemnity is very funny in parts just because mm-hmm. of, of the how much that dialogue Ugh. clips along and you just laugh at the cleverness of the writing. Yeah. Uh, and same here. Like there's – I mean for all those iconic lines that we already quoted, like there's 20 more like fantastic lines yeah. that mm-hmm. like – that no nobody quotes. Uh, and the apartment, uh, I think is, I like the serious parts of the apartment even more than the comedic parts. Uh, but there's something about Wilder's comedies that pure comedies that don't hold up as much for me. Like some like it hot, uh, which is kind of considered the all time Hollywood comedy does not hold up at all for me. I haven't seen it, it didn't, in a while. It didn't hold up for me. I saw it a couple of years ago and was like, wow, no. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. 
Sure. Who else is in that one? Well, well it's Jack, Jack Lemmon and Tony Curtis. Who's the other female? It's oh, Marilyn. You're thinking it's of Marilyn. Ja- you're thinking of um, gentlemen know, prefer blondes. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm thinking, thinking of. Rosalind Russell. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I also like the. Uh, the title, which is just Sunset Boulevard, uh, written in stencil on the curb. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's, it's such a cool way of introducing the title. Which is of pretty the movie. modern. That's very modern. Very. Yeah. Unusual shot. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Uh, I like in the scene with Sheldrake, by the way, is a name that Wilder used multiple times. And I believe it's also Fred McMurray's character's name in the apartment is Mr. Sheldrake. Really? He just right. loves that. It was just a name that he recycled a lot. Do you think it was a neighbor from his childhood that he hated? He's <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. It must have been, yeah. Uh, Bases Loaded is the movie that Joe's writing, <laughs> yeah, oh, the yeah, baseball right. movie. But but uh, there's something about like using real names of like could be a good role for Alan Ladd, Tyrone Power, Bill Demarest. You know, there, there's yeah, a part like for that. him in it of using authentic names because mm-hmm. uh, there's something about Hollywood movies where and and like showing uh, here's the old movie that she watched. Oh, it's an actually an old movie with Gloria Swanson and it like lends it authenticity. Mm-hmm. And when we have the waxworks that come over to play bridge, that were real performers. It's Buster Keaton. Buster yeah. Keaton. Yeah. Over, over and there at her house. Nils, the other two also. H.B. Warner. Thank you. Uh, who was oh. not one of the Warner brothers, but was an actor. Was an actor. And then Nils, Nils, Abigail Nilsson or something. Anna She's Nilsson, a, I Thank believe. you. Good yes. job. Oh, you're good. Had a Hopper playing herself, mm-hmm. Cecil B. DeMille playing himself. By the way, the when they go to Paramount to see Cecil B. DeMille shooting the movie, it really was the set of Samson and Delilah, which oh. he was shooting at the time. And that wow, was that's yeah. so cool. This movie is like a Rosetta Stone for old Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> it's like true. The more you learn about it, of like the more it opens up all these other avenues. Because we just watched separately, but uh, oh, yeah. the Hedy Lamar documentary, which mm-hmm. covers the Samson, Samson and Delilah, Delilah. quite oh, a bit. Oh, I haven't seen that yet. Uh, you'll love it. It's really interesting. Yeah. And like, talk about somebody who did something interesting during World War II. That's yeah. true. Yeah, the yeah. radio radio waves, the cell phone technology, basically, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, immediately when there's the scene of, of Betty, uh, criticizing a screenplay, Carla said, they're gonna fall in love. <laughs> <laughs> also, I had seen it before. So. It was a meat cute. It was a meat cute. With, with a dark, uh, tinge to it though. Yeah. Cause he's so mortified. <laughs> okay, so I think I will say this. And I really loved this movie, but I do think it would have been more interesting if she hadn't have fallen in love with him. Uh, Betty. Yeah. If she had just tried to be his friend. Yeah. And he fell in love with her because she's engaged and also she, her primary thing is that she wants to be a writer. So for her to, you know, use him in that way, I think would have been more interesting than her to like show up and be like, but I love you and you have to come with me, you know? She's going to blow off Artie. Yeah. She's out of town. I don't know though. I guess, you know, in talking about it now, now I've, Betty's always kind of bugged me a little bit, but. She's got a dark side too. If she's ready to <laughs> cheat on Artie, yeah, she yeah. is. She's ready with a gigolo. Yeah, like yeah. I, I hadn't looked at it that way. That she also is essentially amoral. Mm-hmm. She's engaged, and she's because she knows he's a little further up the totem pole than than uh, Artie. So than she's Artie is. Yeah. she's on a hustle too. I mean, she does have the the one good scene of like talking about her screen test and how she got her nose done. Yeah. As if yes, they I love that. Like, it's like a really well written scene, that scene, I think. 
Walking and, around the actual back lot of Paramount. Mm-hmm. And at first when he has the I, – I, I like how William Holden plays it uh, and it does feel like it is the Hollywood trope of just like, well, it's the young man, the young woman and they're supposed to fall in love or whatever. But I, I will agree there is a phoniness to it. But at first William Holden kind of realizes of like this is gross and I shouldn't do this and of like let's keep it at arm's length, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, probably now if it were to be remade, they'd, they'd change the dynamic of that relationship I yeah. think. Yeah. Um. The, when he's still in Sheldrake's office and he's he's repitching of like maybe making a comedy about women baseball players or women <laughs> softball players or something, and uh, Gillis says uh, you're trying to be funny, and Carla said, "Yeah, why would I want to make a story about a woman?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, this would be a fascinating story to retell from Norma's point of view, wouldn't mm. it? <laughs> like her voiceover, sure, and how she saw things. <laughs> Oh, that should be a series. Like in her I would mind? like that to be a Netflix series. Yeah. I would like to receive a lot of money. <laughs> I would like it to have a very big budget, and I would like to play Norma Desmond. <laughs> I think we can make this happen, universe. Uh, something that occurred to me, I mean, I, I, obviously I've noticed every time I've seen the movie, but it's actually kind of a little meta joke about the pipe organ. Because of like when he's heading With downstairs, we hear of like this creepy music. You know, it's, so it's almost like a Mel Brooks joke of like revealing the orchestra when he's like, oh yeah, the pipe organ had uh, wind that blew through it, you know. <laughs> oh, so it yeah. literally is music that is there in the room. It's not underscoring, oh, you know. I don't so think it, I got that. It's almost like calling attention. It's like a uh, dissonant. Yeah. To the score. Vibration yeah. of wind coming through the. Ugh. At one point when they're listing off old, uh, silent actors, one of them was Rod LaRock. Are you familiar with Rod no. LaRock? <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I've got to look up whether I that was a real, it. I believe that's a real person mm-hmm. or not, but what a name. What a name for a non-porn oh, actor. <laughs> pre-porn. This is the pre-porn, pre-porn days. <laughs> uh, oh, here's a line that I love. You don't yell at a sleepwalker. He might fall and break his neck. Mm. <laughs> something, something about waking her, uh, out of her delusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that scene where Max is playing the organ and she's like, Max, stop that racket. <laughs> he immediately gets up. Poor Max. It. Let's just Max. talk about Max for a second. Oh, oh Max. What a great character. What a great character. And it's such a great reveal that he was her first, not, not just a director, but also her first husband. Yes. Yeah. And he's, he's been just working as her butler for years oh. now. But this is also, we find out later. In in the garage when he's talking to Gillis that he he discovered her when she was a young child yes. and not only am I I was her first husband <laughs> we already know he's shown Joe Gillis the bedroom Joe Gillis is sleeping in and when they're in there he says this is the bedroom of the husbands yeah there were three <sighs> and he was number one <laughs> so he's shown this room. <laughs> To, to two other, other men married to his first wife, who with without whom he found life unbearable, gave up his career to come back and become her butler. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like this nuts. tragic reveal. <laughs> Your brain is ricocheting back and forth like, oh, God. So he's been in the house while they've been, oh, oh. And she's been married <laughs> twice since, oh, God, Max. Yes. Oh, Max. Yes. Max. And like Can't how many. play the fucking can't even play the 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 organ Pipe without organ. being told to cut out that racket. 
Well, how many other Joes have there been too? Like Joe sure. doesn't marry her. There might have been other Joes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, so am sad. I allowed to swear? I've sworn twice. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought you were making a notation. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> not at all. I'm just adjusting. Oh, I thought you were making a level. note. Like, wow, oh, that dirty no. foul mouth Brewster. We're not. We've got this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we fucking swear all the time. <laughs> But yeah, I I love how I was her first husband. It's like it's staged like a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think there's, there's a, also a music. There's there a huge, dang, a huge. I love that it's melodramatic. But even in the end, when Joe is like breaking all the truth to her of like Max writes those letters, oh. like Max still won't break the facade. Yeah. And then the fact that he's directing her down the stairs, oh. uh, it, it's so tragic yeah. at the end of like he's still serving her. <laughs> In the end. And taking care of her, though. He 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 was still taking care of her. Yeah. It was yeah. the only way to get her to <clears throat> peacefully Leave. give up yeah. to the police was to give her her last moment of, oh, she's surrounded by friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. There is the, the song in the musical that Max sings is heartbreaking. Have you heard it? Have you listened to the soundtrack? This is the Andrew, yeah. Lloyd, Andrew Lloyd Webber Sunset Boulevard musical that he wrote in the 90s. No, I have not. I've not sullied my enjoyment of Sunset Boulevard by listening to anything you're talking about. What are you talking it's about? It's really beautiful and sad. I what saw, are you talking about? I saw the musical on Broadway in 94, I think, yeah. with Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Oh, I remember this tragedy. <laughs> I do not accept that's watering down my coffee. What was it like? What was it like? I well, Carla clearly remembers it much better than I than loved it. I do. I saw it a I, couple years later with Betty Buckley. You, <laughs> I think you and her went to see it together. Yeah. Uh, with and she's Post. a really yeah. great person to watch um, musicals with. <laughs> but you started singing numbers from Sunset Boulevard, and I was like, "What are you singing?" I, I had no memory of the song. I just know that I saw it. And I, I took my girlfriend at the time in 1994, and I remember the tickets were, were 75 bucks on Broadway, Ugh. and I was like, "Oh man, that's a lot of money to pay." I'm like, that'd be the- it is a lot of money to pay. Yeah, now it's but now, now, but now the, that's, that's the yeah. cheapest ticket on Broadway now. But I don't. I remember thinking the sets were really cool. That yeah. they really recaptured the look of the movie. But what, what do you remember what is about Max's the musical song? He just it, he just, it just gives him an opportunity to go even more in detail about how it's about he was the, she was the greatest star, right? Yeah, or she was the greatest star, and Madame was the greatest star yes. in the world. <laughs> and just so sad, and it's so slow and sweet, and just haunting how he's obsessed with her you know it just gives him a chance to kind of uh really go into that love and passion that he feels for her it's really sad (laughs) it's so sad Uh, i love the musical i really like the music from it i haven't listened to it in years until this week but but it came right back to you you were were singing the tunes yep i wonder lloyd webber man he sticks in your ear didn't he get kicked out of the u.s by aaron (laughs) spelling because he had an affair with candy spelling don't you remember that big rumor no yes and gloria swanson wasn't able to speak up to prevent him from being (laughs) deported yeah uh, there's a great uh, – this is the last thing I'll say about the musical. But there's also a really great song when he goes to the party on New Year's Eve. And the song is all the, the extras and the writers and all the people in this room talking about how this year is going to be their year <gasps> and, like, their goals for this year. And it's really it, – it just gives – it That's in the musical? Yeah. It That's really, really a interesting. chance to like hear their point of view in a way that you don't in the That's movie. good. That's smart. That's interesting because the original – and it was filmed opening – to Sunset Boulevard was not Joe Gillis face down on the That's floor. That's right. It was the L.A. County morgue. 
Oh. And there were voiceovers by all the corpses. The corpses in the morgue. Oh. And then you get to Joe Gillis, and Joe Gillis goes into his story, and that's how the beginning of the movie started. So, oh. because they cut that down to just Joe dead in the pool and his voiceover, it's interesting that the musical mm-hmm. sort of took that idea with. That's <laughs> that's in, that's interesting. I think I, maybe I will one day. Why? Well, are they going to televise this music? <laughs> Do I have to actually buy a ticket? It's on YouTube. Go. There's clips on YouTube. YouTube? Can I stream it to my television? <laughs> I don't know. You're not going to own it in every format. Max! <laughs> Max! I'm just going to call Steve Max from now on. My first husband. Max! <laughs> stream it to the large screen TV. <laughs> We just got a really great preview of our improv scene. <laughs> uh, my favorite one scene character, by the way, is the salesman who sells him the uh, in the uh, in the well, dress shop. Pay- yeah. Oh yes! If the lady's paying for it, why not try the vicuña? <laughs> it's is, so sleazy, and you get so the sense sleazy. that of like. He's dealt with these gigolos many times oh, yeah. before, you know. So he's basically upselling uh, Norma to the to the nicer yeah, coat. Yeah, yeah this guy's perfect. perfect, and he gets it. He gets the vicuna, like mm-hmm. pencil thin mustache mm-hmm. and like sweaty gap tooth. <laughs> sweaty. Sweaty. <laughs> he totally was sweaty. That guy's perfect, though. He should have won an Oscar. <laughs> Something that does come up in a lot of these old movies is how uh, often characters slap each other. Uh, at least refreshingly, here is a woman slapping a man. Yeah, because we've seen way too many old movies which, oh, which a man, man, man slaps a woman uh but in that scene where norma slaps him uh carla said he needs to get out of there stat <laughs> <laughs> i did feel that even though i knew he was dead which is another really great indication of a, a fantastic film where you're like you already know the character's dead but you still but want still him to like, run dude get out yeah, of there go go <laughs> I bet for so the people good. who saw it in 1950 of like that moment where it loops back around of like of him in the pool and uh must have blown people's minds because of like that kind of splintered storytelling was yeah. just like not something no that was, was done this is us. at the time. <laughs> in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> now we're so jaded into it. Yeah. Uh Carla was obsessed with the string quartet. <laughs> she kept talking about them, for, which for is New such a, such a great detail because Norma is having this New Year's party. Joe assumes tons of guests are coming. Right. It's just the two of them. They've hired a string quartet to play constantly while just the two of them dance. Uh, and Carla's like, these guys are like, man, this is the weirdest party I've ever played. <laughs> but then he goes to the other party. She attempts suicide. He comes back and they're still playing. They're still yeah. playing. And In Max is room. like, don't disturb. We don't keep it quiet. We don't want the band to know. Yeah, it's so crazy. Which presumably in the time that Joe is left, Norma has attempted suicide. Max has discovered her. Max has called the doctor and all the while not tipped off the string quartet quartet. who are still playing. Still playing. (laughs) One day we'll be able to afford a string quartet. (laughs) (laughs) Joe and Betty at this party where he's uh, he's just re-met her. Uh, and his buddy, Artie, is in the other room. They're immediately kind of flirting and getting like all in each other's faces. And Carla's like, what are they doing? <laughs> that's, that's his friend's girl. Uh, and I said, and they're talking in kind of affected voices to it. I think they're doing a bit. And Carla said, well, it's not very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Artie. <laughs> But even that, I thought, was very inside Hollywood. Very mm-hmm. comedy writers, yeah, and they're they're hamming it up with each other. And <laughs> you do bits. Oh, it's so they do. They're doing a bit. Yeah. yeah. 
that uh, they think is hilarious. <laughs> That's comedy writers. <laughs> These were quotes that Carla said just constantly throughout the movie. Gross. She said gross a lot. She said creepy a lot. <laughs> and she said barfaroonie once. Barfaroonie? <laughs> about what? I don't know. What was it about? Basically, Barfaroonie. Basically, any time that Joe and Norma are getting intimate, oh, you know, yeah, or yeah. any anytime she's getting kind of uh, possessive of him. It's more, yes. It was less about like them kissing and more about how manipulative Norma is. It's a fucked up relationship. And like you're just mm-hmm. like, oh. Yeah. This is like, she's really... <laughs> She's desperate and it, it makes you feel so uncomfortable for her. But it is refreshing that the dynamic of older woman and younger yeah. man, right? If, like it's just not done. No, apparently often. it's Barfaroonie. <laughs> Barfaroonie. Barfaroonie. Wait, what? Okay. Okay, wait. If Steve's 13 years younger than I am. If she was 50 and he was 32, which I, I doubt. So, <laughs> what that age difference 18. is 18. Yeah. Okay, well that's disgusting. <laughs> You're right. Bar for Rooney. Craig's, Craig's 11 years older than 11, 11 years and old. a half years older than I am. Yeah. Something like that. Uh. <laughs> but I'm... Now we, we've talked about just uh, actors aging in general, yeah. and we just talked about Richard Dreyfus in Close Encounters, who was thirty at the time and looks, looks fifty. It's crazy. <laughs> so That's much crazy. Older. But our, our theory is that just back in the day, just everybody looked older because everybody was drinking and smoking. Uh, but William Holden definitely like lived a hard life. And but he did though, didn't he? He, he did. was a big boozer smoker, right? Yes. He was like a. And died after a fall when he was drunk. And hemorrhaged. A cerebral hemorrhage. But if you watch William Holden Network, 1976, he would not have even been 60. He would have been about the age that George Clooney is now. Really? Uh, And William Holden in Network looks 80. You're right. (laughs) So he he kept aging at that exponential rate. Guess what I completely forgot? That was William Holden. Yeah. Now I need to see Network again. You've sent me off, <laughs> off the edge of a cliff. First, I had to watch Jaws because <laughs> I listened to the Jaws, your Jaws podcast with Paula Tompkins. Then I bought the uh, uh, autobiography of Gloria Swanson. <laughs> watched the movie twice. Now I need to see Network. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I love uh, visiting the visiting the Paramount sequence is is so great. Uh, and I, I love of like first of all, studio security is exactly the way that it is now. Jonesy, Jonesy. I now we have a friend named Rollin Jones. You must have met Rollin Jones. I think so. Yeah, Jessica Chapman's boyfriend. And I just call him Jonesy. All, all, that's all I call him. Oh, that's fantastic. Jones, they live up the street. He walks by. Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that guy. That guy's perfect. He's great. Of course, Mrs. Desmond. Yes. So at first, there's a young her. security guard who's like being a hard yeah. ass. And then she sees Jonesy, who's oh. the guy who's run at the door for 40 years or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It's so sweet. Beautiful. But then after that, Jonesy seen Carla's like, he's like, I can't believe I'm still putting up with this lady's shit. <laughs> Which is probably how those security guards feel of like they're, they're all like, sure, you know, yeah. uh, sunshine and daisies on the outside. But after you leave, they're like, oh, this fucking lady. <laughs> no, I don't want to think that. I don't want to think that about Jonesy. <laughs> and what about the spotlight guy, Hawkeye? Miss <laughs> Desmond, it's me, Hawkeye. Hawkeye. No, Hawkeye. Is it Hawk or Hog? I always thought it was Hawkeye. I think it's Hawkeye. And there's always oh. a sound guy named Hawkeye because he can see from way up high. Oh. Yes. That I, makes so much more a, sense. Let's get a good look at you. And he t- that to me is one of the most magical, perfect. I think I tweeted it. 
Yeah. I think I just filmed it, pointing with my finger, put it on Instagram, <laughs> that Hawkeye turns the spotlight to her, and you all the background say, that's Norma Desmond. Yeah. Well, I thought she was dead. That's Norma Desmond. And they all come gather around her in this, and she's in the glow of the spotlight from Hawkeye yeah. on the set of DeMille's picture. He's let her visit the set, and they all come clamoring around <laughs> her, and you see how powerful she was mm-hmm. and how important she was to this sort of sea of Hollywood cast-offs mm-hmm. because background doesn't get treated very well <laughs> in this business. I started out doing background. It's mm-hmm. not the most glamorous job, but they all gather like moths to the flame towards Gloria Swanson. I just think it's such a beautiful, yeah, really beautiful, is. beautiful scene. I think that one of my favorite performances is DeMille. In this, oh, for a guy wonderful. playing himself who's not an actor, it's like it's really kind of a heartbreaking it's, performance. And it's very natural. Like he's it, great. It feels so. Com- it feels more conversational to me than any of the other dialogue. And he's just like, oh wow, okay, well, you know, and you can hear the burden of him. It, it's true in his voice of like, I don't, I don't want to have to be the one to show her that her time is passed. Yeah, and when like, he's like, Cole, why are you calling? A- Oh, oh, darn it! It's out the car. Oh wait, I need to. I need my glasses. Oh no! Hogeye. 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 Son of a bitch! Craig, do you have to be right well, all the time? No, because and, and he was played by John Skins Miller. <laughs> Skins. He went for the nickname in quotes so that you can well, see. Well, I, I imagine the- this guy is not an actor. I imagine he's a real electrician, you know, probably who works on the uh, works on the set. But I had always Hawkeye. heard Hawkeye. But when you saying Hawkeye, I'm like, oh, that makes, that makes much, so, so much, much, sense. much, much more sense Hawkeye. for him to be Hawkeye. But at least in IMDb, he is credited he is as Hawkeye. Hawkeye. I, then you're right. Well, we should watch the real. Credits. I will never, <clears throat> I will never question you about movies. Oh, don't I say that. <laughs> this is a schooling. Is don't give up. I've gotten him a couple times. This so. is tough. <laughs> I don't know how you live with him. <laughs> but I, I love DeMille's line, uh, put that light back where it belongs, yeah. Hawkeye. Uh, which has such a great double meaning, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, which is like literally they got to get back to shooting, but it's also like you got to turn the spotlight off of Norma. She's not in the spotlight yes. anymore. Yeah. You know? So that's so, that line is so sad. Yeah. Yeah, Cecil B. DeMille's great. He's and he's so great. quiet. He's mm-hmm. very quiet and reserved. And then his defense of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't know her when she was a little girl with more spirit. I, I don't know what his whole <laughs> speech is, but it's like this. He's heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And, and doesn't he say, don't call about the car and call, yeah. let it go. Well, yeah, we can find. I'll buy, I'll buy 10 cars. Yeah. He says something like that, like, to, to, to not get her hopes up again, because he's so devastated that mm-hmm. this is what she thinks, you know, she, she's going to come back to Paramount with Salome, and he's got to let her down. And, <sighs> and the AD is like, oh, she was, uh, she was real tough. He, he says something that indicates of what a nightmare she was on yeah. set. And Mill says, well, not, not originally, that came yeah. later. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and so he knew her when she was young and sweet, and just learning before the she was bro- is, broken down by the business. Which is true yeah. of Demille and Gloria Swanson because oh, she wow. started working for him when she was seventeen years old. Oh my gosh! So she did become <laughs> Gloria Swanson herself. Did become insulated <sighs> and and probably to some extent wounded and self important and narcissistic. And Demille is the one who says that, and, and, and Billy Wilder were both both said that 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 Norma. Desmond is partly Gloria Swanson. She was mm. that young girl full of heart and spunk and talent and who metamorphosed into this reclusive need for a comeback. I mean, it's just so bizarre. It yeah. is inside the movie. It is real life. Yeah. Has there been another movie made like that where 
uh, like modern day where the events happening and the people in the film were real. <laughs> Do you get what I'm trying to ask here? Real? I mean, I know like, so you think, uh, uh dog day afternoon. Dog day afternoon? No, 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 no. That was, uh, no. Oh I mean, yeah. No, that was based were... on a troop, but it wasn't. No. Al Pacino oh, had think, nothing I... to do with the. I can't think of one that has as much resonance as this know. does, where you know parallel. But I'm I'm sure it's been being been, John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich <laughs> is pretty spot on. Yeah, um, there I'm is just fascinated by how like very likely the guy who was doing sound was the sound guy. Yeah, like I think it's so interesting, and yeah. I love I love it when they walk around the sets at night when they're trying to write together. Mm-hmm. I just love movies that then show you the back lot of movies mm-hmm. <laughs> in their movie. And hey, that I mean. That main entrance to Paramount is no longer the main entrance, though it is a gate that, you know, that I think the bigwigs can come in on. It's not one of the main gates. Mm-hmm. When she talks about of like I grew up right around the block on Lemon Grove. Lemon Grove is one of the uh, entrances to Paramount lot to this day. Those offices that the writers have, the, those that building those is still there. Still you know, there, yeah. he lives in the Alto Nido apartments, That's which are right there. at Franklin and Ivar. You know, if you head up, is it really? Yeah, yeah. it's right. Whoa. It's right if you're taking Franklin towards Highland from mm-hmm. the east side. Mm-hmm. You go under the 101, that mm-hmm. that bridge, you know, the, and when you start coming down the hill towards Coenga, the Altanito apartments are built Whoa. on that hill. And I've been in there, and they are, that was built in the late 30s? Probably, I mean, it's, yeah. It's beautiful, but it's... Old. <laughs> it's very old, and it's, yeah. they still have the same Altanito uh, uh, sign hanging out. Wow. It's right there. Everyone I can pass it that. every day from... I think it's the a very was steep. An amalgam it's a different. steep little hill that heads right up to to oh, Franklin. I love that so yeah. much. Oh, so good. Uh, by the way, the so the the real reason that they want uh, Norma, as we've said, they want her old car to use as a prop. Norma's bed in the movie, the boat bed yeah. that she has. Was, uh, belonged to, I guess, a famous dancer in the teens. And, oh. and when she died, Paramount bought it as a prop mm-hmm. and it was used as a prop in silent films. Oh. Uh, I guess it was used in the Phantom of the Opera specifically. Oh, cool. Uh, and so of like, it's almost like a real life parallel where, right. you know, it was belonged to some, uh, eccentric star was bought as a prop by the studio just like they wanted to buy her car or rent her car. Oh. The, her house, by the way, not on Sunset Boulevard. It was yeah. on, it was on Wilshire. It was a couple houses, oh. I think. That's what's so interesting about the Altanito is I don't know if his apartment was a set, but it looks, that's exactly, I've been in the Altanito apartments. That's exactly what they look like. Yeah. They could have rebuilt that on a soundstage, but the house is not Sunset, you know, it's a, it's a mashup of, they used a couple houses and obviously they had a set. Mm-hmm. So there is no one house. Actual, yeah. yeah. One of them was on Wilshire and was owned by one of uh, J.P. Getty's yeah. ex-wives. And was that same house was also the old mansion in uh, Rebel Without a Cause that they break into as well. And then it was torn down a couple years after turned that. Turned to an office building. Turned to an office building. So the staircase yeah. is – was that house? Must be a set. I'm guessing that's a, a set. set. Okay. Uh, when Carla was singing a little bit uh, of the song that I didn't know, I was like, "What? what is that? And you were like, it's from the musical Sunset Boulevard, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I know something you don't know. <laughs> Betty's nose job, by the way, 300 bucks. Carla said, that's it? <laughs> that's cheap. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, I did really like her in that scene. Who said that? That is a great that? scene. Yeah. That I like her too because we do see – 
we see a failing. She's not perfect and cute and smart and knows better than he does. And she's going to write and she's hip hip hooray. It's there. There is some gravitas there. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, she's wounded too. And she's also, she says, I didn't want to be in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. Being behind the camera is just as fun or whatever, which is a great, you know, opposite to Norma in an yeah. interesting mm-hmm. way. So uh, Norma f- finds out about Betty. Uh, I-, I like the scene where Betty's roommate is like, "Hey, Betty, it's that uh, it's that weird old lady. <laughs> <laughs> here's that weird sounding woman again." Uh, and so, uh, why does Joe bring? Why does Joe tell Betty to come over to? confront her with all this this stuff i guess it's to kind of like rip the mandate off a, I think it's a little to bit to punish himself to I punish himself too. i yeah. agree i think it's he recognizes he's stepped on Artie, mm-hmm. and he's got to just give up he's just got to give up his old life he's got nowhere to go he he's now signed the, the deal with the devil yep the deal with desmond and, and he and he does it. say he's going back to Ohio, right? When he's packing his bags or whatever, or wherever he's from. Yeah, he's going back to Ohio. So it's yeah. just he's Dayton. Done. Yeah. Uh, and I love that he flips the pool light on the cinematographer. She's like, "Thank you. <laughs> 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 That's gonna look great." <laughs> uh, and then the the finale, which is classic. You know, she shoots Joe. Twice in the back, once in the stomach, you know, of like that, that scene is so well staged mm-hmm. of him falling into the pool and you realize it's looped around, uh, to the mm-hmm. beginning. Um, when, uh, and then in order to lure Norma out to get her into the police car, you know, she thinks that it's Cecil B. DeMille coming to her house to shoot the Salome <sighs> movie. Um, and then all the reporters are, are asking her rapid fire questions. Carla's like, give her a second to answer. <laughs> well, I think it's the cops actually the that, cops, are, that are grilling yeah. her, uh, with questions. Um, and I think the real heartbreaking moment, first of all, the, the tableau of everybody That's frozen on the stairs. Yes. She's coming down. It's just gorgeous. I don't recall ever seeing that anywhere before that moment in film, but I'm, maybe someone else did it. I, I it's very stylized oh, for that era. Incredible. Yeah. And, and how they're all frozen as she's coming down. But the second that her energy passes <clears throat> by them, they slowly shift and start moving. So it, it's almost like a wave as she comes through the crowd going, Oh, it's so, I do it's not incredible. remember that. And watching it this time, I was blown away by that. And then I think if you remember that iconic moment, you you can imagine she's going to walk down the stairs and say, all right, Mr. DeMille. But even more heartbreaking is her breaking out of character as Salome and, and addressing the crew of just like, I'm so sorry of like, uh, I'm, so happy. I'm so happy to be back. Yeah. <laughs> like oh. that, that speech is so heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And then that that final iconic line in her marching right into the haze of like, the, mm-hmm. there's few endings that are better than that. Ugh. So I've said it's so good. It's so twenty times <laughs> in the last hour. So a letter grade, Carla. A. What does sure. that stand for? Oh gosh, it stands for uh, awesome. <laughs> a for you as well. A plus. A, a plus plus for me. A plus plus. Yeah. Not a thing I would cut. Your favorite movie? It's up there. Top five. I, oh, it's in the top five. Easy. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's in the top. I, I would say top three. Can we hear the others, or do you? Do you want to hold um, on to those? Um, Fountainhead, Fountainhead oh, and and um uh uh Pride and Prejudice, the the Kira Knightley. Oh wow! Love it. Oh, it is quite Love good. It. Uh, I do like that director a lot, Joe Wright, who also did uh, Atonement. Atonement yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think of the things that we've watched thus far, this is my favorite. So even when you're at 74, no, this is number 27. On so your list. Episode 74, number 27. Oh. This is my 27th. I had it originally as my 27th favorite movie. I imagine it's going to move up into the top 20. Wait, but have you talked about 74 movies? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. So this was at 27. Yes. You've talked about 74 movies so far, and you're moving it up your TiVo list. Yes. Yep. Yeah. But we started at 100. Ooh. So in theory, the most recent one we've talked about should always be my favorite, but it doesn't always work out that way. But you'll probably end up moving this one up. I, I think so. I think it's up? top 20, if not top 10. That's pretty great. Um, so I like it even better than E.T. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Padgett, you want to improvise a short little scene? Sure. Okay. Well, 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 I'm not an improviser. Start me off. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and. Well, yes, you, you, and. <laughs> Well, you can you can come in a little later as Norma. Sweet. I think like th- that scene where at the end where Joe is showing Betty the the place and everything. Uh, Norma and Betty never get to interact, so I, I'd love to just like extend that scene a little little further. Does that sound good. Mm-hmm. Okay. And come on, Joe, just go pack your bags, and I, we don't ever have to talk about this again. Sorry, Betty. I'm not going to work on that stupid teacher script with you anymore. But. But we worked so hard. We spent so many nights awake staring at each other. What? And who are you? Who, who is, who is this ghost, I'll Joe? Tell you who Norma I Desmond, am. uh, Betty Schaefer. Betty Schaefer? Norma Desmond. Betty Schaefer. Oh. Why don't you introduce me to your little friend again, Joe? Um. Well, I don't see a need to reintroduce I'm her. Betty but... Schaefer, ma'am. And who am I? A very scary lady on it, the top of the staircase. It's Norma Desmond. You don't recognize her? She used to be big. Oh, Norma, Norma Desmond? I am big. It's the pictures that got small. Okay, she says that all the time. She says that all the time, I but it's my bad big. for setting her up. It's the pictures that got small. <laughs> Joe, uh, why are you living with Norma, Norma Desmond? Uh, I'm a gigolo. What? I'm just a gigolo. A gigolo? And everywhere I go, people know the part. That I'm playing, except you. You never knew the part. Well, you're not a gigolo to me. You're a, you're a friend. Go. You're a, a handsome man. Artie's my friend. All right. Who's Artie? <laughs> Artie's your boyfriend. I don't remember that. Trollop. <laughs> Out. <laughs> oh, Max. Look, I sent Max away. Max went to Schwab's to pick up some uh, some bicarbonate of soda. Oh, oh my cigarettes, Joe. <laughs> you like that cigarette holder on her index finger? I, yes, it look. You could put a bird on that thing too, if you wanted to. Look, I, I love your your outfit. It's like a a a plen, a, pl, a, pl, a pl, pantaloons. A pen, pantaloons. <laughs> Don't the compliment pa- her, Betty. Don't compliment her. She with doesn't the, need the, it. She doesn't need Joe, her ego fed. Why are you being so mean, Joe? <laughs> oh, this young trollop has got a, a terrible hold on you, Joe. <laughs> oh, she's gonna fall. She's gonna fall. Uh, she's fine. She can do a pratfall. She's yes. trained. Joe, you're being so mean to her. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Looney Tunes thing. <laughs> I'm doing my Charlie Chaplin for you, Joe. <laughs> Wait, is that Charlie Chaplin? <laughs> Joe, you know Charlie Chaplin? I don't know Charlie Chaplin. I don't know. Okay? I see Charlie Chaplin up there right now. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin was deported back to London. Everybody knows that. Oh, right. <laughs> I don't know. I really love her. <laughs> I kind of I started to turn into that too. <laughs> it's very contagious. I tried right in the middle of there. I was gonna be like, 
asking too many questions. Oh, are we still talking? Oh, I thought, I don't know. I thought that was the wrap-up. No, I'm no, that's the... I'm asking too many. <laughs> it's supposed to be statements. Norma's not going to worry about the rules of improv. I know. I, you know, I tried to find... I've spent months of my life trying to find, not as a primary goal, but... As a background goal, watching a, a, a lesser movie, <laughs> trying to find that little finger cigarette holder, and mm. I think they made it. I think I think they did. They, I was it's just wire, and I so I made one out of copper. Oh, you did! And, and I just felt like such a fool. <laughs> Only she can pull that off. That little yeah. wire cigarette holder. Well, there's something about the way that she holds her wrists. That yeah. just makes it seem very natural that yeah. it would just be sitting there. The claw, but, but nobody else can pull it off. Claw-like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you been Norma for Halloween? Ever? No. Uh-huh. I was thinking that too watching it. I was like, this would be a great Halloween costume. Yeah. And you can make, I mean, copper wire is great, but I also thought you could just pull apart mm. a paper clip. <laughs> you could. I'm sure you could. Yeah, I don't know. I She's, she's, I, I guess, Became not fictional to me somehow. <laughs> Feels like it would be insulting if I tried to. Don't want to I, disrespect I, I, her I'm memory. I'm so stunned that you just asked, would you dress up as Norma Desmond for Halloween? God no. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm almost offended that you asked me that, as though I need to protect this woman. Like, well, don't I already a little? I mean, I, I don't know. I just had a very strange reaction to that. Well, Paget, what a joy having you for this. This was awesome. That uh, this so was fun. the perfect blend of guest and movie. Uh, anything you want to promote? Anything coming out soon? Um, listen, everybody, please tune your television sets, <laughs> tune your RCA boxes to 10 p.m. Wednesday's CBS this fall for season 14 of Criminal Minds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anything we need to get caught up on before season 14? I don't know. What okay. do you? What do you? We're not doing thrilling adventure anymore. That's a shame. That's we a are damn shame. Well, it won't come. We will we'll have already done this, but we are doing a benefit oh, improv that's true. show. For the, De- the yeah. Detroit Creativity Project. But this will premiere after that. Yeah. So those of you who saw that, I hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Paget's doing monologues, and we're improvising. Oh, uh, you're doing monologues. Doing monologues. Yeah, <gasps> you guys. Because I'm not that much of an improviser. Look, I really, you I didn't really keep are, up. Though. I didn't study. Fine. I didn't keep up you my don't studies. Need to. You You're, natural. You're natural. You're natural. Also, I've seen you do monologues for improv before, and it is a delight. <laughs> That's nice. That was one of the best monologues I've ever seen. And you're still you're still trying to figure out social media. I, I, uh, you're yeah. getting better at it all the she time. Posts on Instagram. I'm not because I posted. I messed up. My Instagram is one finger two words. I need to stick to that. But I tweeted. I thought I was tweeting, and I Instagrammed. And it was two full sentences. And I'm mortified. <laughs> no finger. There was no finger. Too many words. That was my. I, 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 what are these rules? Where these rules. You... It was so I wouldn't have to do anything on Instagram. Oh. I can barely tweet. I don't understand how to attach a picture. Okay. And I'm 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 willfully, rudely not learning. <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah. Good for you. I think that's great. That's healthy. Well, Carla. Uh, Please. Oh, bless you! <laughs> that was a little baby squirrel sneeze. That was a Disney Ooh. sneeze. Carla, we've got episode 75, number 26 on my list next up. Okay. And uh, you like pool, right? Not really. <laughs> What's the movie? What's the movie? Do you like movies about pool? I don't know. Well, this movie is about a pool hustler named Fast Eddie Felsen. Played by Paul Newman. It also has Piper Laurie, Jackie Gleason, George Piper C. Laurie. Scott, 
And uh, this movie was made in 1961, directed by Robert Rawson, and it's called The Hustler. I've never seen it. Have you seen it? I've never finished watching. <laughs> oh boy, that's a man movie. This might be a There's man so many movie. It's a man movie. On his list. This might be a man movie, Uh-oh. but uh, but that's next up. You only need to watch a third of it. I know. It's a, a third. <laughs> that's all she has to commit to. <laughs> because it gets real it, tough. There's been a lot of man movies. Yeah, The Hustler. You'll see. Okay. <laughs> oh, God. It's got some lovely cinematography. <laughs> <laughs> Eyes just rolled all the way to the back of your head. <laughs> if you could have seen Paget's face right then, because she doesn't need words, she's got faces. <laughs> and uh, this is Craig, Carla, and Paget signing off on Sunset Boulevard. The list is an absolute good. The list is life. <laughs>